This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There's a film for you to get into the spirit of the season on Disney+. Plus. It's called Haunted Mansion. It's a horror comedy movie. The film has a star-studded cast. You got Lakeith Stanfield, Danny DeVito, Jamie Lee Curtis. You're going to hear Amy Manti's thoughts on the film in just a moment. But first, here's a clip from the movie's trailer. A woman opens a door. A man starts to enter. Wait! I should warn you, before you step inside the house, this could change the course of your entire life. I'm not afraid of a couple ghosts. He enters the cluttered mansion. <laughs> you say that now. Exploring, he wipes dust from a mirror. He wipes more. Behind him, an undead bride flings an axe. He dodges. This mansion is unhinged. Ghosts duel with pistols. These ghosts definitely don't want to leave. Death lurks around every corner. A young boy's flashlight dies. People gather around a table. God, give us a break. There's so many bad people in the world. Haunt them. Amen. A caped man holds a lantern. I do like surprises. Is anybody else seeing this? I hope you do, too. It contains a glowing skull. We're going to fight, whether we like it or not. Or else we're stuck here for eternity. The hallway twists. Entertainment critic Amy Amanti has thoughts on Haunted Mansion. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. So, Amy, Haunted Mansion is a movie that's adopted or adapted from a ride at Disney World. Of course, Disney's played with that before. Pirates of the Caribbean ended up being a very successful movie for them, adapted from one of their rides. What do you make of the concept of turning rides into movies? You know, I think um, uh, that's a difficult one for me. You know, we always toy around with this idea that there are a limited number of plot lines in the universe, right? Um, So I think, you know, Disney has to, they're they're pulling at straws, right? Like there's a limited number of plot lines. So the rides are successful for them. Where else are you going to pull plot lines from? So I think... You know, I mean, for me, it's better than trying to make these, uh, <laughs> what we were talking about before, these live action films from their original uh, cartoons, their animated cartoons. I'd rather them pull from the idea of successful <laughs> rides in their amusement parks than reinvent animated films. Or, so or, I'm okay with it. Or, or, you know, as a billion dollar corporation, like maybe just go write some original stories. You know, like, like there's there's that too. Well, you know, it would be nice if you could pay some uh, original storytellers to write some original stories. What a marvel idea that would be. But, uh, you know, kind of like what the whole thing was built around in the first place. Uh, writing, yeah, writing, writing original movies with, a, with you know, I mean, obviously they were, they were oftentimes borrowing ex- existing fairy tales and changing them a little bit, existing stories. Well, this is the thing. There's only so many original plot lines, right? Uh, but, uh, but you're right. It would be nice to see. We, you know what, Dave, to be honest with you, we haven't seen a lot of 
original air quotes original storytelling in a very long time yeah that's i will, I will grant you that yeah. one okay let's talk genre here amy you've hit a right. couple horror movies recently including i think it was a couple of weeks ago something that was billed as horror comedy that you felt uh, fell a little bit flat overall how would you evaluate the reputation of the genre of horror comedy i think that's a really hard niche to fill honestly um i'm not sure that this one fits the horror genre comedy either um i don't know how else you would call this other than like literally disney has its own genre so if you want to call i mean it is a disney film so i don't know that you could call it horror comedy genre in and of itself yeah. is it horror not really is it comedy not really oh no <laughs> uh, it's classic disney right and so um, yeah, there's a little bit of moments in both of these things. There were a couple of moments where I thought, oh my gosh, this is a little scary. Is it actually, am I actually watching a Disney movie? There are a couple of moments where I thought this is really hokey, but is that actually comedy? Not really. Um, so it's got its own kind of genre and it doesn't really fit for me into the, the horror, uh, the yeah. horror comedy genre. I mean, I mean, okay. So Dave, for you, what would be a classic horror comedy Film. I mean, I would come to the Scary Movie franchise and say that was probably yes. the one that did it the best, but that was really outright parody spoof comedy. It yes. was not meant to be funny at all. I think you and I, well, sorry, it wasn't meant to be scary at all. It was meant to deliberately yeah. play on a lot of like the big horror movies of the day. I, yeah. would, I would suggest to you that maybe if you really were talking about a horror movie that had true scares, but was also meant to be funny, that's probably, oh, uh, uh, it's probably Scream. Like I would say the Scream series probably Scream. lands there. Yep. But like, again, I wouldn't say that was like, ha ha, funny. Uh, and you talked about this in the last time this genre came up. It's that by its nature, a horror film is going to make you laugh because being scared and giggling sometimes go hand in hand. You have to, you have, to have those moments that break the tension, but that doesn't make it a comedic film, right? When yeah. I think of horror comedies, I kind of think of like Shaun of the Dead, yes. which would be one of my favorite kind of horror comedy melds, um, or What We Do in the Shadows, which you're right, is a bit more of a parody horror, right? Um, a horror comedy for me is less about the horror and more about the comedy. Um, but, you know, when you think about a Disney horror comedy, you know, it's it's like Disney just has its own genre. You know, it's a Disney film when you're seeing a Disney film. Yeah. Right? Pirates of the Caribbean was very much like that. You know, it didn't really fit its own genre. It was a Disney film and you knew it when you watched it. It has its own hallmark for, all, you know, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like um, like Disney has their own brand of sort of like spooky movies, right? Yeah. Where it's like it's not it's not meant to be scary. It's not meant to be horror. You think about horror, yeah. you think about like um, you know, uh, like somebody getting stabbed with a big knife, or like uh, or yeah, like some. Yeah, you think about your Halloweens and your Freddy Kruegers and your Jason Takes Manhattans and yeah, all of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Jason yeah. Takes Manhattan. I love that. I love yeah. that edition Friday of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, great one. Great one. Amazing. Okay. So I read a couple of those cast members off the top. I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of Lakeith Stanfield. Like, I think he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, Danny yep. DeVito has been making me laugh for years now on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Jamie Lee Curtis having a nice little resurgence late in her career. Like, love to see that, too. <laughs> so, like, on paper, I'm really kind of intrigued by the cast, but that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean the performances were excellent. What was your evaluation of these performances and the way the cast stacked up here? Well, I would say that uh, the performances match the Disney genre. 
Um, so take that with what you what that's, you will. It's very diplomatic. Right? It's very diplomatic. So you know you can compare some of these folks to some of the great works that they have done in their careers, right? Um, now, if you wanted to say something like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean in, in a Disney genre. That was an excellent role for Johnny Depp. Yes. But there were no excellent roles here for either of these excellent performers, right? None of these roles, I mean, you could look at any of these roles and say, you know, uh, any other actor could play any of these other roles. So none of these roles are going to be career carving roles for any of these actors, unfortunately. So sometimes you need a role that's that's really a character role for an actor to be a standout performance. None of these roles were created in that kind of way. Um, so, you know, you, you get a, a, a performance that is as great as the actor can do, but nothing that you go, wow, this is an, uh, an outstanding performance. So, you know, they're good actors. You're going to have solid performances. But I would say that, like, you know, I could replace any of these actors with any any other great performer. Right. So, so yeah, solid, but nothing that I would say, wow, I could I would never see anybody else playing that role ever. Yeah. Yeah. So like good, 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 but not great or like you know, adequ yeah. adequate and passable, which is fine. Like, yeah. hey, listen, especially in the world of acting, you know this, you can't always uh, win an Oscar. You might win one in your whole career if you're lucky, if you're one if of the if you're one of the best in the world, you might win one in your whole career. So which some, is why they say it's a, an honor just to be nominated. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Amy, what surprised you about Haunted Mansion? Um, I think what surprised me about it was that there were these these few select moments where I thought they were a little scarier than they needed to be for a Disney film. And I thought, okay, Disney's trying to do something here where they are um, pushing the boundaries a little bit of of what they are used to doing. So maybe they're trying to reach out to an audience that isn't your typical Disney audience. Because um, there was a mo there are a couple of moments there that I was like, oh, really, Disney? What, really? Um, in my, you know, watching it late at night in my own bed, thinking I could hit play on a Disney haunted, like whatever, right? It's Disney. Um, and actually what I thought was even more interesting about that, it was my own brother who was like, I watched Disney haunted mansion. And I thought, what did you think of it? Cause my brother's not really a, like, he's not a Disney, you know, that's what he wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't typically hit play on that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if my brother's watching a Disney movie, well, maybe I'll watch a Disney, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's not a classic sort of homage or I want to be nostalgic about a Disney thing because I'll watch those all day long. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll do this. And then, so there were these moments and I thought, okay, they're, they're now, now here's my brother who's just about 40, who's like your sort of typical bro um, hitting play on Haunted Mansion, um, which is a whole different audience for them. And it made me kind of think about who the new audience of Disney might be. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, this this film is rated PG-13. So like, so they're yeah. definitely not just saying, oh, here's some G-rated movie for the kids. Like they're saying this uh. could skew a smidge older if you had to. Uh, Amy, I was really struck during the trailer clip that was described by Mark Phoenix, how much audio description Mark Phoenix had to do and how fast that was moving and how much was happening on screen. Now, Mark didn't do the DV for the whole film. That was uh, Disney no. on their own front. How yeah. did they fare with their audio description? So there's a couple of things that I think were kind of a miss for this particular film. One is, yes, you know, there's some some ghouls and some gobs here that that were kind of a miss in terms of, you know, how spectacular they were from a visual perspective that we are missing out as, as, a, as a blind low vision audience. Um, that could have increased a little bit of the fear factor from a, a non-visual perspective. So we missed out on that. The other thing we missed out on was the fact that 
almost never from a from a, a non-visual perspective were we told where this movie was taking place and so really once subtly we were mentioned that this was new orleans but typically in a movie the audio description will say so for example if you're passing the eiffel tower in the background they will tell you the eiffel tower is there they don't have to say we're in france and we're at the eiffel tower right so this is new orleans this is french quarter this is all you know you're in shot uh, what they call shotgun row houses you know this is um uh, this is the setting and so when you know that you're in this setting you know that you're talking about this type of um, so like the movie starts with talking about uh, haunted tours that you're that you're being yeah. taken on. Which New Orleans, which, 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 yeah, which New Orleans is famous for because of like exactly. the voodoo culture and ghosts and all this exactly. stuff. Yeah. So you're missing out on 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 this kind of historical kind of the, the, the tour that the sighted audience is getting, but the blind audience is not getting. And there is plenty of time for this kind of description to be peppered into there. And we're totally missing out on that, which I thought was a huge downfall of, in terms of letting us out on the world that we're in. And then, Dave, I'm getting on my soapbox again here, but you'll understand why with the with the diversity description of the audio description because there's a lot of black history here that we were totally let out on in terms of the character diversity here um but that's really important because it new is. orleans is a full of black cultural history that we were not let in on in terms of which characters were which and 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 how they related to this kind of history and so i as a as a you know non-visual member i felt kind of left out on all of those pieces amy gotta be quick on yeah. this one would you recommend haunted mansion i still say that if you're as a family if you're looking for something that is family oriented and you want to watch something together this is a great sort of halloween pick so yes i would say family units go ahead and hit play on this one awesome thank you very much amy Thank you, Dave. That's entertainment critic Amy Amanti with the review of Haunted Mansion. You can find the film on Disney Plus, and it's rated PG-13. Coming up in one minute, Elizabeth Moeller has a story about one of my favorite entertainers. It's Dolly Parton. That's part of the entertainment report. But first, AI is being used by phone scammers. Mike Dubusky tells you how in Tech Trends. Scammers are now using AI to mimic voices, says Dan Woods of cybersecurity firm F5. They called, they synthesized the voice of a loved one saying something like, I've been in a car accident and I need money uh, or I'm in the hospital or I've been arrested. It's always going to be, I need money. He says identifying a fake in the heat of the moment can be difficult. Think about the stress that you're, you're under when you think your loved one is calling you and telling you about uh, being in an accident. Accident. Suddenly, that stress causes you to make um, judgments you wouldn't ordinarily make. The best advice then, keep a cool head. Calm analysis of the situation would, would reveal that what they're being asked to do is unreasonable. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubosky, ABC News. Thank you very much, Mike. Elizabeth Moeller in entertainment today. Dolly Parton is making some waves. She sure is. Dolly Parton has released a cover of the song Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus. And this is in the lead up to her forthcoming album. And that is going to be released on November the 17th. And it's interesting, Dolly Parton's 77, but she's preparing to release this album and it's a full length record. And she's really kind of exploring a new sound. The nine to five country singer Chart Topper is exploring a new sound with rock. 
Yeah, so let's just get a little bit of a taste here and a moose-bouche of what Dolly Parton's trying here with this cover of a Wrecking Ball, of course, a massive pop song for her uh, goddaughter, Miley Cyrus, a couple of yes. years ago on the uh, pop and rock music charts. So let's give this one a roll. I came in like a wrecking ball I never hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break your walls All you ever did was wreck me So Elizabeth, this has been stuck in my head all day because I listened to this this morning when I got up and I love the Miley Cyrus version of this song and I'm a big fan of Dolly Parton. Wasn't crazy about the way Dolly's voice worked here on the verses, but the choruses on this were absolutely killer. You just heard a little bit of the chorus. What are you thinking of the single besides it being stuck in your head? Well, besides being stuck in my head and that we share a love of Dolly Parton, I have to say I liked that it stuck to the original song. Sometimes when people do remixes or they do a cover, there's too much diversion from the original, and I don't like that. It really, for me, stayed true to the original, and those alto alto harmonies in the chorus that Dolly engaged in I thought were really powerful. Yeah, I love that uh, Dolly and Miley have basically been collaborating together and giving each other a lot of space uh, to work with each other's music over the years. Miley Cyrus very famously does covers of Jolene, Dolly Parton's Jolene, one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. And if you go onto your YouTube machine and you look for Miley Cyrus backyard session uh, Jolene, it is probably one of the most beautiful renditions of a song you'll ever hear, let alone cover of that song I just mean rendition of a song ever like that is the that is the moment where I truly fell in love with Miley Cyrus and continue to be a massive fan of Dolly Parton not just for her music career Elizabeth but going back to what you and I talked about at the top of the show as part of the daily poll in terms of a social conscience Dolly Parton the work she does in terms of helping with child literacy by sending free books to children all over America but also her theme park uh, Dollywood she pays the university and college tuition of her employees at Dollywood. Like, how can you not like that? How can you not support a human like this? And just her mentorship to other singers, not just her goddaughter, but the work that she's done to mentor younger singers that are coming up in the country sphere behind her and just how charitable she's been with her time and very humble too. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you know, there was several several nominations where she she was very humble and said, no, I'm I'm not gonna take that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, love Dolly. Stellar person. Love Dolly. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for this. Talk to you in the second hour of the show. Thank you, Dave. That's Elizabeth Moeller with the Entertainment Report coming up after the break. A couple of stories in the regional news updates, including some confusion over precisely what BC is doing to protect their old growth forests. That and so much more on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.